Hello and welcome to another episode in the summer edition of Ithaca Now and our ongoing series Asian in Ithaca, stories of race, culture and identity. I'm your host and WICB News Director Himadri Seth. Tonight we'll be airing the sixth and final episode of the series. In this episode, Thak Halloum Chiorana, the retired director of Cornell Southeast Asia program, talks about his journey from Bangkok to America to Cornell in the 1960s, the importance of Asian studies in American colleges, and more. In summer 2020, we interviewed the Ithaca community about Black Lives Matter, as people across the globe called for solidarity and demanded police accountability a movement that continues to this day. These interviews were a part of ICTV's summer interview series, which can be found on ICTV News' Facebook page. This summer, we decided to talk to members of the AAPI community who have been subjected to heightened discrimination and hate crimes during the COVID-19 pandemic. While the COVID-19 pandemic led to a surge in hate crimes against the Asian community, this culture of scapegoating, oppression, and marginalization of the Asian community has been decades and generations in the making. Through this series, we hope to explore the many diverse voices of this community within the Ithaca area. For WICB News, I'm Vedanta Kari. And I'm Himadri Seth. This week, News Director Himadri Seth spoke to Tak Kalo M. Chiarana, retired professor from Cornell's Department of Asian Studies, and the director of their Southeast Asia program, which was established in 2010. Kaluam Chiarana continues to be appointed at the graduate school in the fields of Asian literature, religion, and culture, and Asian studies. Having come to America for the first time from Bangkok in the 1960s and joining Cornell shortly after, Kaluam Chiarana has seen the Asian community not only in Ithaca, but even in the country as a whole, evolve and expand. I came to do graduate work in America, first at Occidental College in Los Angeles in 1966. And um, after that, I came to Cornell in 1968 as a, as a PhD student. And uh, so I graduated in 1974, and then I went back to, to Thailand to teach at Thammasat University in Bangkok for about six years. And then I returned to Cornell to work in 1980. And I've been here since. Um, I've moved away from political science. I wrote a lot about Thai politics in the beginning of my career. Uh, when I came back to Cornell, um, I became part of the Southeast Asia program, um, but there were no real faculty positions open. So I um, became um, associate dean of the College of Arts and Sciences for, for many years, like 12, 15 years. And then after that, um, I went back to my department, which is Asian studies, and that's about Asian literature. So I, I retooled and started to teach uh, Thai literature and literary criticism, and um, from 1998 to 2010, I was the director of the Southeast Asia program, which is a national um, uh, research center funded by the federal government. And I retired in 2010, and I've been living here in Ithaca since 
uh, off and on since 1968. According to Kalavam Chirana, it's crucial for colleges to provide Asian studies programs and provide a platform of education to understand the background and influence of Southeast Asia, going even beyond the post-World War II era. Many of the countries in Southeast Asia were colonies of the West, you know, uh, Netherlands, US, France, and uh, the, the English, and so on. So after the war, um, many of the movements um, or the armies that formed by indigenous people um, were actually encouraged by the Japanese. And so after the Japanese lost these armies and these nationalists were still in place. And so they agitated for independence. And so in the late 40s and early 50s, most of the countries in Southeast Asia gained independence, except Thailand. Thailand was not formally colonized. Um, and so um, that became a conundrum for the West and for the United States because in the State Department, these old countries that were uh, colonies, right? The expertise were not in individual countries, but were part of the colonial desk. For example, Indonesia, you want to find out something about Indonesia in the State Department, you have to go and ask the Dutch <laughs> you know, political desk. And so in, in the late 1940s, um, Professor Larson Sharp at Cornell during the war, he was seconded to the State Department. And he found that there's very little knowledge about Southeast Asia, especially these newly emerging countries. And so he um, then came back to Cornell. He was teaching at Cornell. And he came back to Cornell and then received funding from you know, some of the major foundations to start a program on Southeast Asia you know, to really focus on these newly emerging countries. And the first one that he focused on was in, was Thailand. And, and later on, you know, Indonesia was next, then Philippines and you know, Vietnam and so on and so forth. And so it was because of that um, uh, Cold War period, right? The fear of communism, the rise of China and Russia, um, many of these countries in Southeast Asia then became sort of client states of the United States and um, you know, formation of regional organizations and so on and so forth. And um, so Cornell, Cornell Southeast Asia program was founded in 1950. Other institutes followed suit with their own Asian programs, but they unfortunately didn't have the same success as Cornell's. There was another program uh, at Yale University uh, because the foundations thought that you can't just have one, you should have a competitor. So Yale was, was it too. But um, for many reasons, which I need not go into, um, the Yale part um, did not flourish as well as the one at Cornell. So we've been at it since 1950. This is our 75th year. And the Southeast Asia program, um, we get federal funding and we have some endowment also to support language teaching. So we teach Thai, Khmer, Burmese, uh, Vietnamese, um, Indonesian. Thak first visited Cornell in the 1960s. During his initial days in Ithaca, he recalls a singular Chinese restaurant at State Street and his amusement at the Americanized Chinese menu. So Americans know about Chinese food, but it's American Chinese. 
right? Chop soy and uh, <laughs> the usual that is very low on the <laughs> hierarchy of foods for Asians, but uh, Americans are used to that. And what is interesting about Susie was instead of giving out fortune cookies, she gave out Wrigley gum sticks. <laughs> so it's really unusual. Um, but when I came in 1968, uh, there was Susie, the Chinese restaurant, and there was an oriental shop on Green Street, whatever you're familiar with, but it's no longer there. The 1950s and 1960s were a time of international conflict between the U.S. and other Asian regions, such as Korea, Indochina, and Vietnam. According to Kalo M. Chiarana, once the U.S. pulled out of these regions, there was an influx in Asian culture in Ithaca for two reasons. The first reason being that students were more interested in learning about Southeast Asian cultures at Cornell. The second reason being that Asian-themed restaurants became more commonplace and diverse in Ithaca. After all those pullouts, you have many returning GIs um, to these places. Um, but in terms of the universities, many of the graduate students actually were Peace Corps members, right, during the Kennedy, President Kennedy's period. Um, starting the Peace Corps. So many of these well-meaning young people went to countries all over the world, and many went to Southeast Asia and became Peace Corps, Peace Corps volunteers. And after they finished their, their service, they came back and looked for graduate uh, schools. And so the Southeast Asia program attracted a lot of these Peace Corps, returning Peace Corps graduate students you know, to do their PhDs at Cornell. And so also, right, you have that and you have GIs, you have people who travel. Um, and uh, in the, the 80s and 90s, young people went on backpack trips and so on. And so they, they, have, a, they have knowledge of uh, Southeast Asia. Um, and then restaurants started to appear, right? Chinese restaurants, Indian restaurants, uh, Thai restaurants. Now people know what Pad Thai is or Tom Yam Kung and so on and so forth. So it became part of the, of the U.S. Uh, because of its involvement in the Cold War, right? Um, Vietnamese refugees, if you look at the Vietnamese restaurants in Ithaca, Hai Hong was the name of the ship that the refugee family came out uh, from Vietnam. And so when they started a restaurant here, they named it after the ship that they came out on. And so now you have uh, two Vietnamese right, restaurants in Ithaca. You have all these Chinese restaurants. You have Indian restaurants all over. Um, but that's quite recent. Before, when I came in the, in the late 60s, there was none of that. right? But now they're all over. Hello, I'm Chirana. Also talked about the historic value of the various Asian religious institutions in Ithaca. Strangely enough, when you talk about religion, <clears throat> of course, the, the Chinese um, started early, um, but it's not, you know, it's not Confucianism or Taoism. It's actually, um, you know, uh, Christianity. In the in the uh, late sixties, early seventies. Reverend David Wong, who, who actually started out, he, he was a missionary, a Chinese missionary in Malaysia and Singapore. And he came here uh, 
because I was here. <laughs> I happened to marry his wife. I mean, my wife is his daughter. So they, they, they immigrated to the U.S. and say, where, where should they go? I was teaching at Yale in the summer and they said, no, no, Yale's too hot. So they decided to come and settle down in Ithaca. And um, the store on Eddy Street was the first really Chinese grocery um, industry called Hai Dongfeng. Uh, Actually, uh, a friend and I put that shop together for him. But because of his missionary background, he started a, uh, a meeting, you know, a Christian meeting in his house on Eddy Street. And that moved to several places. They had a place on State Street. And now you have the first uh, Chinese uh, Christian church in Bell Sherman. I know you've seen that church. It's next to the school, right? So that was his legacy. Uh, so the first institution for the Chinese was actually Christian. And then um, there was also the uh, Tibetan um, temple which is actually one of the official Dalai Lama's monastery, strangely enough. It started out in a, in a house on Aurora Street. And right now they have a big place past um, just north of Ithaca College. You may have seen, you may have seen the gate. And um, so they're now teaching Dharma and stuff like that. Um, so that's the, the Tibetan Buddhism and uh, Occasionally, you'll see the Tibetan monks walking downtown in their robes and so on. Talking about Buddhism, there's a Buddhist temple, but it's Laoshan Buddhist temple just south of Whitney Point called Wat Samaki Tham. And it's quite active for the Lao, Thai, and you know, uh, sort of Theravada Buddhist community. And that's all for tonight's edition of Ethica Now and the final episode of Asian in Ethica. On a more personal note, this is my 20th and final package for Ethica Now, and this is also my last time working for WICB News. As an Asian myself, I want to first of all thank WICB News for making this summer series a reality. I also want to thank our co-producers Himadri Seth, Jordan Broking, and Emily Hung, as well as our editor Jay Bradley. I want to thank all of them for their endless dedication to this summer series. This has been Asian in Ithaca Stories of Race, Culture, and Identity. For WICB News, I'm Vedanta Kari. And I'm Himadri Seth. You can find all of the episodes for Asian in Ithaca Stories of Race, Culture, and Identity and other stories on WICB.org. The full list of resources for AAPI action and education will also be available on our website. That's WICB.org. We are open to feedback and ideas. Feel free to reach out to us at news at WICB.org. All of the music from Ithaca Now's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear full shows anywhere, anytime. Also subscribe to The Latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This series is made possible by producers Vedanta Kauri, Jordan Broking, Emily Hung, and myself, and graphic editor Jay Bradley. 
Special thanks to Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager, Connor Hibbard, and Programming Director, Lou Barron, for their support and assistance. I'm Himadri Seth, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. Ithaca Now will be on break starting now until the beginning of the fall semester at Ithaca College. Wishing you all a great week ahead.